What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 202 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and for the first time in a while, Scott Coleman is here. What's up, man? First podcast of the new decade. Kind of exciting, uh, kind of fun. Uh, Do you have a good holiday, Brad? It was okay. Uh, Nothing terribly eventful. I had to do lots of basketball things because that's what happens uh, this time of year. I was in basketball mode for the most for the most part, and as people are, I'm sure they know this at this point in time. There isn't too much going on in baseball. Um, how was yours? I suppose we should just talk about the holidays because that's what people do when there's nothing else to talk about. Scott. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's for those who don't know, I live out here on the West Coast, so it's you know we had I think Christmas Day it was like 70 degrees here, so um, yeah, it's all good. Stayed stayed in town and. Um, as you said, not a whole lot of actual baseball stuff going on, though. For the most part, front offices more or less shut down the the week of Christmas and New Year's, so that was to be expected. Every now and then, you get a couple of signings just before uh, just before the break, guys who want to get it resolved before they, uh, you know, before the New Year. But uh, it was to be expected, and hopefully, because now it's believe it or not, uh, we're about six weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting, which is crazy. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of activity here uh, pretty soon. Yeah, I like to peruse, you know, the headlines every day or so, even in dead periods. And there's not that much going on in, the, in all of baseball. There were some signings in the last week or so. The Nats were pretty active. We'll, we'll come back to that in a, in a, little, in a little bit later on the podcast. But uh, nothing earth-shattering recently. And a lot of that is because of Josh Donaldson sort of holding the market up to some degree. And we, we are going to get to that. I promise that's probably what we'll spend the most time on on the podcast. But um you know, I recorded with Zach Dillard an all-decade podcast that went up on Christmas Eve. So that was about, well, I don't know, 12 days ago at this point in time. If you missed that, go back and listen to it. But um, that was the last time we talked in this space. And basically since the middle of December, we haven't had a ton of, like, up-to-date Braves content. Because there isn't that much to talk about. There's some rumor stuff. Things that have actually happened that we have not actually explicitly discussed on the podcast are Julio Tehran signing elsewhere and Dallas Keuchel signing elsewhere. Keuchel was a foregone conclusion. I thought pretty much coming into the offseason that he was probably going to be gone, and that was not a huge surprise. Julio, same thing once they declined his option, but I want to spend at least 20 seconds, Scott, on uh, on Julio Tehran leaving because, as I talked about with Zach on that podcast, he was by far the... Uh, I don't know, the guy who ate the most innings for the Braves in the last decade, he threw 600 more innings than anybody in the 2010s for the Braves. And when that guy leaves your franchise, the only the only place that he's ever played, we have to talk about that for a second. Yeah, and, you know, good for Julio for getting a deal pretty early in the winter. Uh, I think it was 8 or $9 million to go pitch for what should be an improved Angels team. I think that's a good atmosphere for him, pitching in Southern California. Um, you know, a team that... Um, needed an innings eater and that's exactly what he fills um and as you said you know julio was somebody who uh maybe in the moment you didn't necessarily appreciate just because of the ups and downs that he's had the last four or five seasons but as you said there's really something to be said for frankly almost a decade of of him uh being at the front of the braves rotation so uh, glad to see him get a pretty nice deal hopefully he goes out in anaheim and, and keeps going um, but as you said, it, it'll certainly be different on opening day. It was kind of the running joke of, you know, Julio has to start opening day and, uh, you know, it'll be the first time in however many years that he won't do it. So uh, a bit of a, I don't want to say the end of an era. I don't know if it's quite to that level, but, um, you know, good, good luck to Julio. And, and I think he'll do pretty well out there with the angels. It kind of is. I mean, when he, as much as he actually threw, it kind of is the end of an era. As much as that kind of sounds funny, he was just a fixture in 
both of our lives for the last 10 years or so, nine years or so. It's been a long time. So uh, shouts to Julio. He is elsewhere. Same with same with Keiko, obviously, for a much shorter period of time. He's yeah, now, good for uh, Keiko. I mean, yeah, he got paid at least at least fifty five and a half million over three years. Could go up to four years, seventy four million. I mean, for a guy who was jobless until June last year, uh, good for him. He he really got paid well for a White Sox team that suddenly looks like they're going to be uh, every bit involved in the uh, AL Central race. Yeah, it worked out great for him, which you know that's that's great for him because you know. You probably assume that he lost some money last season by holding out a little bit, but then he got the big sort of balloon fallback contract with the Braves. He pitched, I mean, he pitched okay. It wasn't like he was incredible. That's the thing about this, about that. Like there was a yeah. lot of hand wringing about him waiting that long and signing and how much money he could have lost and all that stuff. And then he didn't have to pitch that well and still got a big contract. Like he was yeah. fine. It wasn't like he was bad either, but it wasn't like he came in and threw, you know, lights out baseball for four straight months. So good agent work, I suppose for Keichel. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. What it is. Well, and especially for him, I mean, he reportedly had turned down a bigger deal from the Astros a couple of years ago and, yep. and thinking he was worth more. Of course it didn't work out. So good for him. I mean, I'm sure he'll, he'll sleep fine knowing that he has at least another 55 and a half million coming to him. Um, but yeah, good for Dallas. As you said, wasn't, Maybe quite the upside the Braves were hoping with him, but he did eat a lot of innings, especially as uh, the rotation had some issues in the middle of last year. Uh, he, he kind of did what was to be expected, and, and now he moves on uh, to the White Sox. There you have it. That is the entirety, Scott, of the transactions, except for there was a minor league deal that I didn't yeah. even like think to write down uh, as I, that just came to me. The Braves did sign a minor league contract this week with – I think you wrote about this. Did you write about the uh, the newser for us at TalkingChop.com about the Chris yes. Dunn sighting? Yes. I'm going I'm to defer to you. This is a guy who's known for his fastball. That's that's kind of all I got on this one, so I'm, I'm deferring to you on this. Yeah. Yeah, when I saw you, so Chris Nunn, if you didn't see, uh, I think it was Saturday when he signed a minor league deal with Braves, I you know I did the fan graphs thing and without even looking, looking him up, and I saw he's a, a 29-year-old left-handed reliever, has bounced around. He's with the Dodgers last year. Um, but again, 29 years old and has not made a big league debut. So I, I tweeted just, you know, seems like a Gwinnett depth pickup. Um, but if you look on him, he, he's an interesting case. He's a guy who went to a small school, um, pitching ninja, which is the, the famous Twitter handle, um, profiled him. And, and now I didn't know this, but pitching ninja has kind of a development program. Uh, and none was part of that. He's a, he's a lefty. He's a big guy. He throws, uh, upper 90s consistently sounds like his secondary stuff has gotten better so you know again it's a minor league contract it's an invite to spring training but uh the, i always hesitate you know there's a reason he's 28 or 29 and hasn't made his big league debut yet. i don't want people to think this guy's going to be uh the second coming of billy wagner but again it's a minor league deal if it just doesn't work out in the spring he's gwinnett relief insurance and in depth um, but nonetheless a little more I guess interesting than your your typical uh, minor league free agent signing. Yeah, and it, it got a little bit more attention than the typical signing of this um, ilk would say. I had admittedly had no idea who this was <laughs> until yeah, uh, seeing couple, seeing some of the stuff on Twitter. So, you know, I wanted to at least reference it because it was the one thing that the Braves actually quote unquote did in the last couple of weeks. But um, yeah, I'm gonna leave it there for now. Not not too much to talk about. On that front, and uh, hopefully it works out because it'd be fun to watch a guy throw in the high nineties from the left side. Yeah, you can't. I mean, can't it's amazing about that you can throw that hard from the left side. Somebody will take a chance on you until your arm falls off. So pretty much. Uh, <laughs> nonetheless, it'll be fun to 
uh, see him throw that kind of gas from left side. And who knows, maybe it does work out. I mean, he's, he's slowly but surely kind of gotten better. And again, there's something to be said for throwing upper 90s from the left side. Um, you know, the Braves don't have a ton of left-handed relief options they can trust at this point. Uh, so who knows, maybe he wins a spot, maybe he debuts at some point over the summer, but uh, a cool story nonetheless. Yes, and we have uh, now devoted our allotted time to that. Um, okay, <laughs> let's let's have a quick break real fast, an early break in the podcast, and we'll come back and we will come back with Josh Donaldson talk. It's coming, folks, so hold on tight. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Scott, it's Donaldson time. Um, I hope it's Donaldson time. We we are both actively monitoring Twitter during this podcast, just in case we sort of will it into existence. We do have a reputation of recording a podcast and then having a move happen within an hour or a half yeah. day or whatever happens. So that might happen here. And if it does, we'll pivot with haste. Um, but until then, um, Donaldson is unsigned as of this moment, as of Sunday at 8.48 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, lots of twists and turns, nothing like earth shattering on the Donaldson front, but uh, now multiple people have reported multiple times that the Braves have offered four years to, to Donaldson. Um, in the last week, it's now been reported by, by Ken, by Ken Th- Rosenthal that Donaldson has informed teams of his desired guarantee and seems to be waiting for the clubs to make, to make that, um, sort of reach that number that he's asked for. And it's quote believed to be end quote in the $110 million range over four years, which is a lot of money, but nothing um, terribly shocking on that front. And the most recent stuff came out on Saturday with apparently the twins might be out of the running based on a report from a local report in Minnesota. Um, Basically saying that Donaldson doesn't doesn't seem to be interested in going to Minnesota, which isn't a terrible surprise either because it's so, you know, they were, they were good this year, but it's not like a, uh, flagship and if, if the offers were close i'd imagine he wants to stay in atlanta versus going to minnesota but i mean i don't know where are you on this the nats have been active recently they just spent a bunch of money on will harris starlin castro and azrael cabrera which doesn't rule them out for donson but it's a little bit noteworthy that they spent a bunch of money on a couple of guys who can play similar position stuff to donson so i don't know where are you on this i'm kind of 
just waiting more than anything. I don't, I don't have <laughs> yeah. much of uh, much in the way of new takes on this, but uh, there's some more information to discuss, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't hit like the JT Real Muto levels of last winter where like it was all anybody was talking about, right? And it was like the never-ending story. Uh, we're not quite to that point. Um, I think you and I and most people around the Braves have thought that ultimately as long as the Braves – wanted him back and they were at least within the realm of the other teams who were interested in in Donaldson's services uh, they were going to get back together is that is that accurate for you yeah I mean I think we've said this a few different times on the podcast like we both I think guess I think Eric has as well that if all things were relatively equal he would come back I'm not you know I wasn't screaming that from the rooftops but I, I have said it I think and I'll say it again now, like I've kind of always been leaning towards that. I think it's relevant, by the way, that um, Dave O'Brien of The Athletic has now said multiple times that he believes the Braves are going to sign Donaldson. Now, I understand beat writers are not always right on this stuff, and he's not, he's not reporting that necessarily, but it raised my eyebrows that he has said that now multiple times in a pretty in a pretty clear and concise way, like he believes he's coming back. And, yeah. you know, so all, all these signs have sort of pointed to that and it didn't, it didn't, it didn't get any worse this week. I will say with, with the twins no. seemingly coming out of it and the nationals not out of it, but certainly making, I don't know if they're making other plans, but they're doing other things and spending some money to make you think that at least think twice about it. So, yeah. And it also feels like the Braves are just kind of waiting on Donaldson. <laughs> like they're not doing anything yeah. else. I feel like they're going to put the money on the table at the end of the day. The four year deal was a big um, talking point on this podcast and elsewhere if they gave him that, which they're now reported to have done, that was kind of the final frontier, I think. I mean, at this point, I'm kind of expecting him to sign, but I'm, at the same time, I'm yeah. not going to tell you it's like 90%. If you told me pick one or the other, I say he comes back. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too. And I think, you know, again, this is all just conjecture here, but you kind of start to put the, you know, you connect the dots, right? So about a week ago came the report. I think it was actually New Year's Eve or New Year's Day came the report. Uh, from Mark Feinzan of, of MLB and then Dave yep. O'Brien, uh, that the Braves had offered a four-year deal to Donaldson uh, over the Christmas and New Year's break. And then comes the report of, you know, we talked about the Twins. I just don't think a guy who's from Alabama has a ton of interest in playing with the Twins. It's never really felt like they were a serious suitor for him. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he was in Toronto, so like I can already hear people saying that. Well, like he played in Toronto. Like, I understand, but... He's a free agent, and he gets yeah. to choose where he gets to go. And I mean, the Twins are good, so it's not like the Twins are the Twins how they used to be, where they were just so bad, and it, w- it would have sounded crazy. You know, yeah. he could certainly argue, maybe even correctly, that if he goes to the Twins, the Twins are like a hundred win team or close to it. Like they're they're really good, so yeah. that that wouldn't be crazy. But again, if it's if it's close, you know, going back to the Braves where you know you're going to probably win, and it's going to be warm and you're comfortable there, versus taking a new sort of journey to the twins cold um, both in weather and in situation like not knowing what's what's going to happen it does kind of feel like if the offer was close like there it would be a surprise if he left yeah Minnesota and maybe it was you and I have have lost track about how many times we've talked about him but I think too you know it's probably one of those things too where it would not be a surprise if if JD ends up signing with the Braves you see that report a day or two later that well he had a little more money on the table from team x or team y um, you know, those, those <laughs> tend to come out, and that, and that is a Braves staple recently too, with Brian McCann, Nick Markakis. It's uh, it's been out there for a while. The last couple of years, the Braves are like, I mean, I usually believe that stuff when it happens, yeah, but sure. it also is something that you can just say, like it's you know, it's I don't know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's kind of funny, like 
and also the, the, in there. the yeah. structure could matter too. I mean, that's something that people have been floating a little bit. I think out of almost out of, out of boredom this week, it's like, what if the Braves structured it like this and they went big early and had it dwindle or other? Th- I mean, I I don't know. I don't know what discussions have been. Yeah. The Braves do have that familiarity where if they, I mean, I've always wondered this, by the way, I'm just, I'm just going to say this out loud now. Why don't players push to have front loaded contracts more often? Like yeah, if all, all things are equal. Like the big story recently has been the nationals deferring all, all kinds of money in the last couple of big contracts that they've done, like a tons of money, like way, way, way in the future. Whereas I've always thought, like, why wouldn't the player want the money up front as much as they possibly could? Because then it works for you. Like, it just financially doesn't make a lot of sense to have deferred money. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. It's just something that was popping in my head as as I was talking there. But I don't know. We're all just bored. But I do think that... I do think that... That's the headline for the podcast. It really is. I mean, I, I, I do think that... I don't know. It just makes so much sense that he would come back. And just the lack of activity that's going on around it. It just feels like he's just weighing this out with the Braves. I don't know why I'm saying that. Maybe it's just our rose-colored glasses of covering this one particular team. And maybe the Nats people are thinking the same thing. But the Braves have just done nothing. And it feels like they are just explicitly waiting on Donaldson. Because they have to do something. That's the, We'll transition yeah. here in a second to what happens if they don't get him. But the Braves cannot be done as constructed right now. No. That, that no. that's not that's not something you can sell to your fan base if they are just done doing stuff. So it's a huge domino for the Braves. I think more than any other team in the mix here, Donaldson is like a pivot point for Atlanta. Absolutely. And I think that's why all winter long we've kind of felt like a reunion would happen. Now all it takes is one team to come in with just a crazy offer or maybe things get tense during negotiations and they fall out or whatever it may be, but he checks so many boxes for this team. And I think if you're looking for, I don't want to call it evidence because that would lead us to believe it's for sure happening, but you think about the timing of the last four or five days, the report comes out that Donaldson now has a four-year offer from the Braves, which up until that point, all we had read or heard was that he only had a three-year deal, though he had four-year deals elsewhere, but he gets he supposedly gets a four-year offer from the Braves, and then within the next 72 hours, the Nationals, who had done more or less nothing all winter other than re-sign Strasburg, Um, And I guess Howie Kendrick on a one-year deal. All of a sudden, the Nationals start spending on a couple of infielders who, as you said, don't block Donaldson or prohibit them from signing Donaldson. Uh, But by adding those two and Will Harris, uh, they now only have about $15 million left to spend before they hit the the luxury tax line, which is something they've reportedly wanted to stay under. And they have a couple of other holes on their roster they need to fix. and as we've as we've talked about, the Twins never seem super likely. And the report comes out yesterday that the Twins have have started to not necessarily pull out of the sweepstakes, but are starting to look elsewhere and consider their other options because, as we said, there's only six weeks or so in the offseason left before spring training gets going. So, again, it could just be conjecture. It could be coincidence. But it does feel like the last couple of days have really started to um, move some momentum in the Braves' side uh, to get Donaldson, who knows what the ultimate deal is going to be, what contract, where he lands, all that good stuff. But there's no, I guess on the Braves end, there's nothing to make us think, oh boy, maybe it's not going to happen and they need to start really ramping up elsewhere. Yeah, the signs are not negative right now. It's the best way that I can put that. There you I mean, go. Yep. Even if you want to say that we're overstating it, I'm okay with that argument because I'm. we don't know anything. Like We're just kind of reading between the lines. But if nothing else, the signs for the Braves are not negative with regard to sign, to sign Donaldson right now. That, I think I probably feel more confident today than I did two weeks ago. By a little bit, not not by a ton, but 
there's nothing to talk me out of it at this point, barring a mystery team arrival or something like that. Um, quickly here, let's talk about just this sort of set the scene a little bit for what happens with him or without him. We've done this a couple times before, but I want to kind of lay it out just for people that may be listening for the first time or whatever's going to happen there. The roster is interesting right now. The Braves payroll was higher than it's been recently already without Donaldson, and you have to assume it's $25 million or so, I would imagine, annually for Donaldson if he comes back, based on the reporting. Um, there's some discrepancy on what the actual payroll is right now. It's between 130 and 140 I think is the working theory right now. It kind of depends on how you assign the buyouts to flower to flowers and Marcakis and Julio Tehran and Billy Hamilton. That's six million dollars that the Braves did have to spend. I'm not sure if that accounts on their payroll or not, but they had to spend it. So I don't know how I don't know how you, how you want to do that. But regardless, 130-ish, 140-ish, somewhere around there. If you throw in Donaldson, you're suddenly at like 160, and that is a lot of money. Um, yeah, it's not my money, and we're okay with that because <laughs> yeah. we've been wanting them to spend more spend more money for a long time. But um, if they don't get Donaldson things get a little bit more interesting. I mean, I don't know. Let's just set the stage a little bit, Scott. How do you feel about the contract in general? We talked around it a little bit here, but are you okay with like, for instance, the, the, the Rosenthal reporting was four years and one ten as the, as the range. Is that okay with you? If the Braves do that? Cause like I'm leaning towards that. That's a lot of money, but I'm also okay with it at that number. Yeah. I mean, it's a good question, right? Like my feeling is this, if I came here and said, well, the, the most I would want to give him is four years and a hundred million, right? Yep. The difference between four years and a hundred million and four years and a hundred and ten million is two and a half million dollars a year. So <laughs> if you're particularly really, for a team that's already, you know, running baseball teams running a payroll like that, two and a half million dollars is like one playoff game gate for the Braves. Right. Right. <laughs> you, you know, somebody said, um, I forget who, but someone was like, It's you find your dream house, but it's two thousand dollars more than what your budget was it's like are you really going to walk away over two thousand dollars on a house you know probably not right so um yeah so i i can't imagine the braves i'll I'll say this i can't imagine the braves giving donaldson a contract where everybody you know braves fans i guess would be like holy smokes that's an overpay i mean do you agree with that i can't see them just going crazy and offering upwards yeah. of 110. I was going to say the number I'm try, I had this discussion with somebody offline the other day of what deal they would give him that would like actually bother me. I think if they went to 120, which would be 30 million dollars. I think a it's year. I think it's more than that for me where I would actually be bothered mm-hmm. because and this is something I want I want to make sure I say so I'll, I'll just say it now because of where the Braves are and how cheap guys like Ronald Acuña and Ozzy Albies are. Like, is it going to be, is he going to be worth, you know, $28 million a year, for instance, in year three or four? Probably not. Like, even if the Braves give him four for a hundred and he takes that deal, it's the, that's sort of the round number deal that we've all been talking about for so long. Even if that's it, $25 million in 2023 for Donaldson is not going to be a good contract probably. And I think we all, I think we all kind of know that, but they need to win now because it's, the easiest way for them to win during this run is to win when your best players or at least two of your top five players and probably your best player overall in Ronald Acuna or at least one or two versus Freddie Freeman are making just nothing. This is the time when you are allowed and you're free and flexible to spend money. So are you overpaying Donaldson on the back end? Yeah, you probably are. Even if he is just incredible, 
aging wise, you know, it's very unlikely that a player at that age is going to be worth $25-30 million. Yeah. But I mean, I also get it and this is a sport where the Braves do not project to be in the competitive balance tax at any point. I mean, I'd be okay if they if they went into it, but it doesn't seem like to be a plan for the franchise. I would be stunned. So, I mean, if, yeah, yeah. The whole thing is there's no penalty. Like we talk about this all the time, especially in the last couple of years, but it's not like the NBA or the NFL where you, where you have to you have to give and take a little bit on the salary cap stuff. If the Braves, I mean, there probably is some give back on just ownership's flexibility and spending, but there's no penalty if you pay, like you said, the $2 million more a year. That doesn't come back to bite you anywhere else as long as Liberty is like, okay, we'll pay it. I mean, maybe you can't do a move in season. I don't know if that's, I mean, we're all kind of guessing on that on that front, but I mean, the number where I'd actually be upset as someone who is not paying this money out of my pocket, I don't know, four for one thirty, one forty, like yeah, numbers, and that's and there's just it's no, not going to happen, right? Yeah, no so I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, I honestly don't think it exists for me. Like, will we come on the podcast and say that's too much money at four for one twenty? Yeah, probably, but I'm also right. gonna, I'm also gonna say that I'm okay with it because mm-hmm. that's an all in move and. We can't say all that we've said the last two years. I'll speak for myself anyway. I can't say that all that I've said the last two years, and then criticize them for going for going all in. Like I'm okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's better to well, pay him money than to over than to overspend on prospect capital in a trade. Well, and I think that's that's exactly what I was gonna say next. I mean, if the alternative is to overpay, if if it's between overpaying Donaldson a couple million dollars, and we just talked about why. Are you really going to freak out about them paying an extra $2 million three years from now? Probably not. But if the alternative is, and we're going to, I see it on your your podcast notes here, about a very messy hypothetical trade for somebody like Arenado or Chris Bryant or whoever it's going to be, I would much rather overpay an extra couple million bucks for JD than unload multiple top prospects for not only uh, not only give up the prospects, but you're also paying big dollars. You're paying similar big dollars, at least for the next couple of years on Arenado. Brian is getting expensive. If you assume he has two more years of arbitration, uh, I would even argue in 2021, Bryant and JD will probably have a similar uh, salary. Yeah, um, almost so certainly. It, again, it's so I guess what I'm getting at is if the, if the choice is either you overpay him a couple million dollars more per year, or you have to unload the farm to get, an Arenado or a Bryant type, assuming those guys are even that available in trades. Uh, I, I know what decision I would make. Yeah. I, I think it's pretty simple in that way. And again, it's not our money. We don't, we don't know all of the behind the scenes machinations on the money, but you know, that's a simple, that's the simplest way to put it. Donaldson for 2020 alone is not as good as Arenado, but he might be as good as Bryant. He might be better than Bryant. Like, Donaldson for right now is very good. We know that he's very good. He just posted a season where he played like almost every game and was nearly a five win player. Like he's really, really good at baseball. And is he going to decline? Probably. But, you know, I'm not the guy who hoards prospects. I'm okay and would encourage the Braves to probably be a little bit more aggressive in trading their prospects than they have been so far because prospects are more volatile than I, you know, am willing to stomach sometimes. But there's still value in keeping them for the next trade. Like eventually you're going to have to trade some prospects. Like we keep saying that and they kind of haven't done it, which is kind of funny. They they kind of never done it in this rebuild. 
am I am I missing something here? They've really never done the big move with prospects. On no, this, on this I mean, rebuild, Joey. I mean, big move. No, Joey Wentz, Colby Allard. I mean, th- those are the two. Yeah, and Colby names. Allard had already the start had already fallen quite a bit by the time they actually traded that. Trade oh yeah. Up. So yeah. they've not done. Have they traded a single top ten prospect that they've had during this rebuild? Mm, probably. Wentz was probably I mean, close. At well, the time. Yeah, it probably depends on your your floor versus ceiling with him, and he did pitch well with the Tigers. I mean, yeah, I mean, but he's a good but prospect. No, there has not been. It's amazing when you people were talking about Alex Anthopoulos on I think MLB Network a couple nights ago and just how different he has been. I mean, you compare what he did with Toronto, where he took a franchise that had not won in a long time and went nuts, and he made all these trades, some of them good, some of them they're still feeling the pain from. You know, he, he infamously brought uh, Josh Johnson to town, but he also traded away Noah Syndergaard for a washed up R.A. Dickey. So, <laughs> you know, he he kind of went nuts and. Toronto had a couple of great years. They went to the ALCS, which is something they had not done in a long time. But now we know, of course, Toronto has it's been years for them to kind of rebuild and 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 all that. And then he goes to the Dodgers, who rarely, for his, you know, for all of the resources they have, the Dodgers rarely trade their top prospects. Um, even though they they have the financial ability to take on expensive players. And I think it's it's pretty remarkable just how different he's been. And I think that's something he picked up from his time in L.A. You hang on to your prospects. At some point, as you said, you're going to have to trade some of them because you just can't reasonably respect to expect to, to have room for them on the 25-man roster and they run out of options and so on and so forth. Um, but it is pretty funny. If you would have told us three years ago when he was hired that – uh, or two years ago when he was hired, that the best prospects he will have traded was a fallen star Colby Allard and a probably back end of the rotation upside Joey Wentz. I, I think we both would have said you're nuts just because of what he had done when he was with the Blue Jays. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, I, I do believe that at some point they're going to do a a more prospect-heavy trade for someone. It might be during the season this year. It might be if they lose Donaldson. It might be now. But if you can avoid that another time um, and push it down the road a little bit and see what you get, see what you got a little bit more with Christian Pache and whoever else, Drew Waters or whatever, you, Ian Anderson or whoever, whoever else, and you just pay the extra $2 million a year, like you're saying with Donaldson, like I endorse that because number one, not my money. Number two, the money goes a lot further if you, you know, if you're saving the prospects because then you can trade, there's more flexibility. So, my overarching opinion is if you have to overpay by a reasonable figure for Donaldson, I'm okay with it. And that does it kind of goes away with away from what we've said in the past. Like I definitely am more of a process person than most people are. But in baseball, with no salary cap and you know a ownership ownership conglomerate, we should say that just has unending money, and I, and we and we kind of all know it. Like if you want to pay the extra money, man, just pay the extra money. Like it's not it's not a problem to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and you know, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I also don't get the other argument. I mean, there's this, there's always this part of the fan base that is like watching the owner's pocket. Like it matters. And I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. Like no. I'll be the first to say like, if it, if it impacts other spending, then I totally get it. And we, we always say that, like, if you told me, if we knew for a fact, the Braves had a hard cap that, that their ownership and group imposed on them, then it's a lot easier to argue against Donaldson. Because if you have to work under a firm payroll figure, like we kind of thought the last couple of years before before this year where they started to spend more, then it's easier to argue against it. But if you don't have that, 
and there's no reason to assume it at this point. Like, I don't know, just pay it. I mean, we would know by now if they were not going to pay him. Like, if they if they had a figure that was like insulting to, to Donaldson, we would know it by now, and we would, we would just move on. And that that's yeah. not the case. Well, and you think about too, you know, leaving that door open. Think about how aggressive they were early in the winter, right? Like they checked off so many of their boxes early on, and now they they're, they're really going. Does they're going feel like they're waiting, right? Like this is priority one, two, and three on their bulletin board in the office right now, right? Like this is clearly all they're focused on um, because if they don't end up getting it, and I think you and I both lean towards them getting it done, but if not, um, you know, all of a sudden you have a gigantic hole to fill, maybe two, depending on who you end up getting a third, so on and so forth. So um, I, I think ultimately they, they do figure something out, but I'm with you if if the decision is, hey, we can either give them a million or two or three more than what we were hoping to. I mean, every team wants to get the best deal. I mean, I'm sure they would love to get it done for $90 million. If they have to go higher than that, which it seems like they will, then so be it. It seems to me just if, if the Braves are serious about winning the next couple of years, I think he makes the most sense. Um, and not to go too far off here, but somebody else pointed out, because of how the, the roster is set up, you have significant money in contracts coming off the books next year. You have Melanson's deal is done. You have Cole Hamels on the one-year deal. You know, there's ways to get out of some money as well. It's not like they've, they all of a sudden are going to have no money to spend the next couple no. winters if, if they uh, sign Donaldson. Granted, they'll have presumably less to spend, but who else are you going to spend that on? And again, you should have some flexibility next year when you have, uh, you know, I mean, just between Hamels and Melanson alone, that's 30 some odd million that you're, you're clearing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not like they're, they're handicapping themselves and they're locking in their roster for the next three years. If they sign JD tomorrow. No, it's a, it's actually, it's actually a really good point. And those two guys come off. You're also, you know, about 8 million probably coming off with Marquecas and flowers. Um, in the future beyond that, you know, Chris Martin yeah. and Darno. Shane, were... Shane Green is in the last year of arbitration. Yep. You could probably get out of Ender without too much trouble. So there, there's some room to, if you have to all of a sudden, if you have to adjust, I don't mean to cut you off, but if you have no, to right. change course and adjust, it's not like you have a couple of, of just albatross contracts on the roster right now. Um, you, you do have the ability to, to make some stuff happen. And 2020 is the last year where Ronnie and Ozzy are making like absolutely nothing, but 2021 they're making combined eight million dollars, which is yeah. basically nothing <laughs> for, the, for those two yeah. guys. So, and eventually you have to pay Freddie. I understand all that stuff, but I have a hard time seeing that it would just like cripple you. Like obviously there is some risk. I'm not going to tell you that there isn't because you're signing a guy Donaldson who is older. I, I do think the, the injury stuff is overblown. He's basically had one injury in his career. We, we yeah. just got, we've discussed this before on the podcast, so I'm not going to say it all again, but um, durability is a, a very overrated concern for, for Josh Donaldson. Age is not age is a concern. It is, but durability overall is not a problem. Like if you want to argue that because of his age, that becomes more of a factor than sure. But there's this label out there with some Braves fans that he's like injury prone. And that's not, that's not the case. It's just not. No. So, Worth pointing that out. No, too. that is weird. I have seen that a lot, and yeah, yeah, it's fair, just out he, there. I'm not really sure why. <laughs> like yeah, and he missed almost all of 2018. I mean, he returned for basically September in the playoffs with the Indians, but that was it. But I mean, every player gets hurt, right? I mean, it's not. Yeah, it, it'd be different if it was multi a multi times, but and I understand it was recent, and it was right before the Braves signed him, so there was a little bit more risk with that. I totally get that, but if you look if, if you look at his at his profile, he has not been a durability concern whatsoever. 
So, yeah. yeah. Um, last thing on this, we can look ahead to the other guys that they could sign if or trade for if he does not come back. But I alluded to this a second ago. The lineup is not good without him. <laughs> um, last year, the, <laughs> yeah. last year the Braves were like middle of the pack in baseball. They were like tenth or eleventh in WRC plus. They were better than average, but not by a lot with in, in their lineup. And that was with their top four guys all being healthy all season long, and all being very good. And also Matt Joyce being very good. Like there were other things that happened along the way. If you want to argue the other side, I, I get that too. But if you just took Donaldson out of the lineup and basically just replaced McCann with Darno. This is a lineup that's not very good. It's not overly terrible or anything. You still have three awesome players in it. But uh, there is urgency, I I would say. And that's just me talking. There is urgency to get another bat if it's not Donaldson. If it's Donaldson, sure, that's the best case scenario. But if he doesn't go back to Atlanta, they have to do something, in my opinion. This, oh, is, not, this, is, not a, this is not a World Series challenging roster without him. No. No, and I mean, I think they, they would. I mean... You, you don't go out and make all these aggressive bullpen additions and a one-year deal with Hamels if then you're going to cut your losses and say, well, yeah, we're going to open the season with uh, Johan Camargo batting cleanup. You know, I, I just don't think that's going <laughs> to happen. I mean, the rest, the rest of the roster is better on paper than it was a year ago. Like, the bullpen is is better on paper. Um, the rotation is basically the same. When you talk about Hamels for Keuchel, that's kind of the same thing. Um, but the lineup, if you remove him from it, and honestly, if you were if we're trying to be rational here, Donaldson projects to be a little bit worse than he was last year because he was really good last year. And I think aside from the the big three though, in terms of you know Freddie, Ozzy, and Ronald Acuna, nobody else in the lineup scares you. Could somebody have a good year? Certainly. Could Austin Riley be good? Sure, he absolutely could be. Cam- Camargo could bounce back. Daysby could break out. There, there's stuff that could happen in the lineup, but. If you take Donaldson off the roster, there are three guys on the team that you trust to be above above average hitters. Yeah, that's the list. I mean, again, there's guys who could who, who could do it that have done it. Marquez could be a little bit better. Like there's there's things that could happen, but that scares me to death. If you're if you're a Braves fan, and you're not scared by that. I don't know what I can tell you because they need yeah. to do something else. Like it may not be a, a big splashy move because the free agent market, by the way, spoiler alert, is not great. If you don't sign Donaldson. The two, the only, the only, only two guys I would say are like legitimately good bats that are still available are most are Marcelo Zuna and Nick and Nick, Nick Castellanos. That's kind of it. Yeah, who have warts of their own and, and yeah. other concerns that come with them. I mean, they yeah. they would help for sure, but those guys are not as good as Donaldson for sure, and they're good bats. They're they be they would both be the fourth best hitter on the team immediately because of what we just said. Like they would be a clear upgrade on everybody else, but. There's some risk there, and the, and positionally, it's not as easy either because that's the thing about Donaldson as well is that third base is your clear weak spot right now. You could certainly argue that left field's not great with Marquecas and Duvall. I get that, but there's at least a plan there. Like that, that's a platoon. They have some options. Riley could play out there too. Like there's some other yeah. options down the line. Third base being a need is not a secret, but it's in addition to Donaldson being the being the best player available for agency, he's also the best fit. Yeah. And I think with the outfield, there was some talk about this earlier in the week about what they're going to do uh, in the outfield. And I think, you know, I maybe I'm in the minority. I'm actually probably fine with if they do get J.D. back, that they roll with the platoon of Mark Akis and Duvall. Maybe I'm in the minority there. 
I mean, it, it's as, it's better than uh, it's better to do that when you have Donaldson on the team. <laughs> right, it is. It and feels you, okay in that way. And if it is a platoon, you know, last the last two years, Marquez has a one sixteen WRC plus against right handed pitching, and Duval is notoriously known for you know he mashes lefties. That's why we liked the deal when it happened two summers ago. If they stick to a platoon there, I think that's fine. I mean, you talk about if if Marquez is in the same in a, in a similar area next year and I, I don't know why he wouldn't be he should be fully healed from the broken wrist or broken hand or whatever he had I mean if you can realistically expect him and Duvall to give you a 110 WRC plus 115 I mean that's what Marcelo Zuna had last year so it, it's really not that much at least offensively that much of a trade-off um, but you're right you can't rely on that for your cleanup hitter but if they happen to be <laughs> fifth or sixth um, especially with, you know, Darno hit well last year. Dansby had some flashes last year when he was healthy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's just much easier. It's much easier, much easier is. to sell that. It is. And, and enough to, it's like, you know what? This was a pretty similar team to what they had last year. They won 97 games. They had an, an elite, uh, lever closer, whatever you want to call Will Smith. They're going to have Chris Martin a full year. You, you hope that at some point, maybe some of the young pitchers take a step forward, you know, so on and so forth. Again, I think it's easy to forget this team won 97 games and maybe baseball's best division last year. I know the first round of the playoffs didn't go well, but weird stuff goes on in five-game series. And I think most people would say the Braves deserve that win that should have won that series last year in four. Um, you, know, you can't – it's hard to build a team in January f- to win in October because so many different things are going to happen between now and then. So – Put the best, pros- uh, you know, best perspective roster on the on the field and, and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think even if they sign Donaldson, you and I, or me and Eric, or you and Eric, somebody's going to have the discussion on this podcast in like May about how the lineup isn't good enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because of because of just the fact that it's a, it's a top heavy lineup. Even if you have Donaldson, you, you have four guys that we like, and four guys that are not as great offensively they're not terrible there isn't like an absolute hole in the lineup if you get Donaldson because then you go Ender in center field Ender is not great but he's not absolutely terrible you get the platoon and left you get Dansby at short and the catching and, and the catching duo is fine like none of those are just glaringly ridiculous but there will be a lot of nights again even if they have Donaldson where you know the five three eight hitters go you know two for <laughs> 20 or something like that it's gonna happen but the top four can carry you, and we saw that this year. That's kind of what I want to say about it. It's just that, you know, you can have a top ten ish offense with four guys basically carrying you all season long. It just it sure. just happened. We watched it. Yeah. But if 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 that becomes three guys, you're in more trouble. That's just kind of the math yeah. on this. Yeah, and you know, to be fair, you you talk about where you have four good players. I mean, I think it can't be understated just how good those four players are. Very very right? good. Like yes. last year, they were the top. They were four of the top twenty-eight players in baseball. If you go by Fangraphs' WAR, or at and, least, and, and two of them, and two of them, you could reasonably expect to even get better because they're so young. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, again, anything can happen. We talk about Donaldson getting hurt. Who knows? Maybe everybody gets hurt. Anybody can get hurt. All it takes is one, you know, misstep on the bag or uh, you know a high inside fastball. Players get hurt all the time. But I think at least if you if you bring back Donaldson you have the pieces in place to be successful again. Are they built to win a World Series? I don't know. But this time last year, 
you, you had no idea what was going to happen, right? So much is going to change between now and the end of the year. They're going to make other moves. Players are going to get hurt. Players are going to get better. They're going to overperform. They're going to underperform. There's only so much you can realistically do this time of year. And uh, as I just said, I think you can uh, try to put the best product together and, and then see what happens. Yep, that's a good point. And, you know, I'm knocking on all the wood in my in my podcast, quote unquote, studio here. But last year, the Braves top four guys had no injuries. So, yeah, we'll come back yep. to that at a later date. Um, before we get out of here, Scott, do you have thoughts on Nolan Arenado? I mean, I don't want to do like a full segment because rumors are not even really rumors on this one. It's like the Braves talked to the Rockies about Arenado at some point, which is not hugely surprising. And they may not trade him. The last the last reporting came out that was like um, Arenado is like 50-50 to be actually be traded at all, much less to the Braves. Um, he's really good. He has some home road splits. He has an opt-out after 2021 um, and a full no trade clause. And he'll be 29 in April. So a lot of pitfalls. By the way, after the opt-out for Arenado, he has five years and 164 remaining after the opt-out if he uh, opts in. So... A lot of pitfalls there, but he's an awesome player, like a top 10 player in baseball kind of player. Like he's awesome. So you could kind of see all sides. Uh, I've, I have reservations. I don't think he's going to get traded personally. I mean, we'll see. I would certainly take him on the Braves. I don't think a deal is going to happen for a couple reasons. I mean, what do you do about the opt out clause in his contract? What do you do about the, I mean, that is significant money. We're talking about, the dangers of four years to Donaldson. You talk about, you know, oh, 35 million basically every year. It's seven uh, years, by the way, like seven, seven years, years total. Yeah. Right. I mean, seven years. Um, again, Arenado is one of the premier players in baseball. You know what? He's good at home. He's good on the road. I would happily take him on the Braves, but it's just hard to see a deal get done. I also am not entirely sure the Rockies are ready to tear it down because if they trade Arenado, they are effectively punting any chance they have next year, even if it was a slim chance to begin with. <laughs> I mean, they just paid him too a year ago. They, they mm-hmm. the, the extension, the contract started this year. It was an eight year deal. He just finished year one. So if you're the Rockies, yeah, it is tough to sell that to your fan base. Like he's been the best player they've had for a long time now. And you're now going to trade your best player. I know he's a little bit older. And if you're trying to rebuild, I, I kind of get it, but Man, that's that's a tough sell. It just is. Well, and if you trade him, then why on earth would you keep Trevor Story around, who's a free agent in two years? John Gray, who's a free agent in two years. Um, Herman Marquez is a, a very yeah. valuable. Come on, I mean, it's time. It's time to blow Renato, it up if you do that. Yeah. Right, you you unload everybody, and can you realistically do that a month before the season starts or a month before spring training starts? I, I don't know. Maybe they can, um, but it just feels like a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of risk because of the contract, as we said. Um, Aaron, Aaron Otto also has a full no-trade clause. Um, we're assuming that he would say yes to Atlanta, but he might want to stay out west. He might not want to play. He may not want to leave. I mean, you talk about, again, the, the stability. He's been with the Rockies his whole career. He may not want to leave. Um, so I, I know that you know, I want to throw John Morosi under the bus here, but I have some questions about the validity of his reporting, too. Um, you know, it's not like it's Ken Rosenthal who came out and said, yeah, I think he's going to get moved. Um, yeah, again, I mean, there's could, just for, knows, the, the, way, the way that I, would put, that I would put that there are nationally the two guys that everyone agrees are the guys are Passan and Rosenthal. And until those guys report something, I, I am more hesitant is the way that I'll put that. 
<laughs> those, those two guys are the ones that, ev- that yeah. everyone always assumes, and I think rightly so, have the goods when they're reporting stuff. And other guys do break stories, and not sure. just Morosi. Like there are other yeah, guys who are national writers that break stories and are right sometimes. But there's a reason why the consensus, and as someone who follows way too much media, the two guys are the two guys. And it's kind of like basketball where there are two guys. It's, you know, there are two or three guys that are the best in the business. And there are other guys that get stories, but then there are the two guys that break everything. Um, that kind of is the case in baseball with Passon and Rosenthal. Mm. So until those guys speak, um, I hold off for the most part. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Fun to think about. As, as we said a little while ago, you know, it's the boring time of off season. Incredibly. Yeah, I, I, th- I think the title of this podcast is, is going to be the waiting game because that's just kind of what is yeah. happening mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, yeah, Arenado would be awesome. Like he he's the only guy that we've discussed at any point. Even Bryant, like he's Arenado is the only player that is better than Donaldson. Like period. That's that's yeah, potentially exactly. available. I mean, I guess Mookie Betts, but that's he's ever been tied to the Braves, so I'll leave that alone for now. But uh, of the guys who the Braves have ever been tied to, Arenado is the only guy who's actually better than Donaldson. <laughs> so if they do yeah. that, I can't be upset. But it would cost a lot in prospects and and money. So well, that, and I'm sure there's there's I can't imagine right. You talk about the prospect cost, you know what the the Rockies value him at versus what other teams value him at, and the contract and the opt out. I mean, there's there's so many hurdles. This is not trading for one year rental Jaime Garcia here. I mean, this is this would be a with many many layers. You know, the the waiving the people have said, well, if he waived his opt out, I don't know if you can do that. I don't know what is required for him to. I mean, he has like a legally bound contract here. It's not like he's like, yeah, I won't opt out. I mean, he could easily in two years say, no, my contract says I can opt out. I'm, I'm getting out of here. I, I think he can waive it um, if they if they rip it up. Like he's he's allowed to do that. Um, it would be surprising <laughs> right. if he was willing to do that. I mean, in some ways, the guy with the no trade clause has so much power um, that why would he do that? Because all he has to say is, I won't take the trade to you. He could just decline the trade. Yeah, um, so the, I mean, you would think like there, a lot of brace, that's a popular theory that's been floated out there is like, okay, the brace could just convince him not to, to sort of wave the opt out. And it's like, well, they have to, con- the brace have to convince him to accept the trade. <laughs> he doesn't right. have to even do that. Right. So he has the power in the spot. And why would he give up the, why would he give up the opt out? That makes no sense at all. Like yeah. if you're a player, that's, that's a huge advantage for you because if you go out and post an eight win season before that, you're going to opt out and get more money. Like it's just what's going to happen. So I yeah. don't know. I mean, to sort of end that conversation quickly. Okay, Scott, here's a hypothetical for you. Uh, Donaldson for four years and one sixteen. Okay, that's one. Mm-hmm. That's one scenario. So that's okay. what twenty nine million a year for Donaldson. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Or trading three of the top seven prospects for Nolan Arenado and play and paying the whole contract. Oh, I would do. Oh boy, um, that's what that's what's gonna, that's what it's going to take. I mean, maybe not. Okay, maybe okay. Two of the top five and one more, like Austin Riley, and two more of the top six prospects. Probably ooh, is what it's going to take. I I would do Donaldson in that situation. I think so too. And maybe I'm overestimating the cost of what it's going to take to get Arenado, but because the Rockies don't need to trade him, and he's their best player, and he is that good. Like he is yeah. this good. He's over. He's you know, it's it's a huge contract, but he's not overpaid. Like no. right now, he's not overpaid. Like if it was the you know the Giancarlo Stanton deal a couple of years ago, right? Like the Yankees basically took on. Well, and that, I think that they, yeah, that that deal was like everyone knew it was not going to end well, 
it was, it was a money drop. Yeah. yeah. And if that was the deal, if Colorado ownership was like, look, we're not winning, we're going to be bad in another couple of years. Let's, let's not have these big contracts. And they said, look, if you give us a couple of your middle tier prospects and agree to take a hundred percent of the contract, then sure. I, I think it's a no brainer at that point. Cause yes. even if Arenado opts out after two years, you've gotten two years of a great player for nothing basically other Correct. than just paying him a salary. But as you said, if it's going to take multiple top prospects, I think just from Colorado's perspective of it's, selling it's that deal, <laughs> I mean that, that you know that's a PR nightmare for them. Right? It may not so, be three, but it's going to take. Yeah. There there would be some pain involved in the contract. You 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 can't. Yeah, you're not getting Arenado for like the the Joey Wentz Colby Allard combo. Like that's not no. going to happen. You're going to have to give up some something of pain. Maybe you could protect a guy or two. Maybe you could say, you know, Pache's off limits or whatever you want to say, but one of your top 3 or 4 guys is going to be in the deal. Probably another one or two of your top 7 or 8 guys is going to be in the deal. It's going to be a real haul. Yeah, it's a trade. Yeah, it's not this isn't a money. And I think if if Colorado was looking to just do a money drop, I think he would have been traded by now because Oh, about yeah. half the half, if not more, of the teams in baseball would happily take on Arenado for for thirty two, thirty five million bucks, whatever he's old, owed per year. Because it's a lot, it's a lot of money, but yeah, for sure, yeah. I agree. Yeah, um, I want to always ask. I mean, that's kind of the hypothetical here, and, and that assumes a lot of things, which include Arenado being available. We don't know that to be sure, but you know, there's a discussion happening that I've seen on Braves Twitter, like, all right, well, if they don't get Donaldson, they just can trade for Arenado. It's like, well. They could. Yeah. <laughs> that can't be your only option though. Uh, unless you just yeah. know that it's on the table and I'm not sure that we know that right now, but I agree. It's, it is, we know, we know Arenado was better than Donaldson, but we also know that you have to pay him for a lot longer and give up real prospects. So I agree mm-hmm. with you. I would take the overpay on Donaldson versus trading what I think is going to be the package for Arenado. Yeah. And I've never felt, and I guess just to kind of wrap, I've never felt that, one, I've never really believed that the Cubs were going to do all of this this big sell-off or this reimagining that they've talked about. Um, it's been two months, and they've done nothing of that sort. Now, again, not. maybe they um, – and, and I just don't think uh, the Braves and Cubs match up very well unless the Cubs want some minor league pitching or you know fringe major league minor league pitching. And they might, uh, but not uh, – yeah, that's that's a deal where – I think everyone has almost agreed from the beginning that the Braves are not the greatest matchup for a Chris Bryant trade. Yeah. Right. Like they have the Braves have assets, but just the it's hard to come up with a deal that makes a ton of sense there. It's not impossible. Um right. if, if the two teams just decided they were gonna get in a room and hammer it out, it could probably happen. But it's not like one of those super obvious here's the right. package and we all know what it's gonna be kind of trades. Like unless they wanted like, you know, um Bryce Wilson and Sean Newcomb. Which why would you trade a you know former MVP for those yeah, two they're guys? They're not going to do that. I don't they're not going to do that. But then you know it's like well they Max Fried works for the Cubs. Yeah, well Max Fried works for every team in baseball. Well, that that so. is the name. <laughs> the um, if you yeah. want to get if you want to get in the rabbit hole on on Bryant, I think that is all the fake trades that I've seen for Bryant. Fried is in all of the ones that I think actually could make sense for both for both teams. And I, I'm not saying I'd love to do that, but I do think if you were going to trade for Chris Bryant he's probably going to be in the trade. Yeah, based on he's what somebody said. who would appeal to Chicago. Because he can sure. pitch right now. I mean, the, the, the Cubs are not trying to rebuild. They're, they're trying yeah. to win. <laughs> right, right. But like, you, you, know, you, can't trading... really, you, you can't headline a package with Ian Anderson for Chris Bryant right now because the the Cubs want to win. They're not going to try to – I mean, Anderson might be awesome. It might be better than Freed, but not in 2020. Like, that's not going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. they're going to want someone who can help them now, and that means 
Max Freed unless they are just in love with Sean Newcomb, which I can't imagine is the case. So, right. And at that point, what are the Braves really gaining? Right. Like you've just big hole in your rotation. Yeah. Your lineup is better. You have somebody at third, but now you have a big old hole in the middle of your pitching staff. So, yep. uh, Yeah. There you go. There you go. And uh, in perfect fashion, Scott, we've done almost an hour on nothing. Which is, which is just <laughs> what happens when we start yeah. talking about baseball. But um, it's been a couple of weeks, so I think we were due for a conversation. As of nine thirty-three p.m. Eastern Time, Scott, no deal on Donaldson. Mm. So we tried said, to was, stretch it I was, out. I was trying to jinx it. I said we've never had, at least when I've recorded. I don't know about you. I've never had like major breaking news before, uh, like happen during a podcast. So I think we I was, had I was, one. It wasn't like a massive one, though. We had a move happen once on a podcast, if I'm remembering right, but it wasn't like a full-blown emergency podcast level move, uh, which this would be. I am fully prepared, though, for Monday morning Donaldson signs at 10 a.m. That wouldn't be a surprise. See you Um, tomorrow night. Yep. Yeah, in which case, the Hawks play Monday night at home, so... uh, Probably not going to be me on the podcast if that happens, but uh, <laughs> alas, we'll, speak we'll, it into existence. We yeah. will. Uh, <laughs> that happened last time. the The Hamels move was on a day the Hawks had a home game, and I Eric. was not available, and it was you and Scott. So, sorry, you and Eric, you are Scott. Uh, all right, Scott, well, that's probably enough. Unless you have final thoughts here, as you said a couple times during oh. the podcast, about six weeks out of spring training, so we're we're getting we're getting there. It's almost there. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's crazy. I think it's 30, 35 days, thirty six days until pitchers and catchers report, and then about you know a week later, the, all the everybody else shows up, and and then uh, yeah, opening day is early this year. It's like March twenty seventh, I think. So um, yeah, it'll be here before we know it. Yeah, I'm looking at the schedule now. Um, since you brought it up, the Braves open. I should know this off the top of my head, but I don't. They open in Arizona, of all places. I'm assuming you will be uh, in attendance for at least one of those. Uh, March 26th in Arizona. Yeah, that's very really, early. Wow. Yeah, really early. I think it's like the earliest ever. And uh, some schedule stuff that is worth pointing out, and then we'll save for later on. But the the Braves and Nationals don't play till June 9th, which is insane. Yeah. Uh, One nice thing, though, is they play seven straight games to begin the year. They play four in Arizona and three in San Diego, of all places. So um, no snow outs. But it, no snow outs. And you won't get the there is nothing worse. Drives me nuts. I don't know about you, but it's you play opening day and then you have a day off yeah, and then you play one more game and then you have a day off and then you travel and you play two games, then you have a day off, and it's like God, just it is, know, it is the worst. I am with six you. Six months at that point, yeah. yeah. Uh, the one downside, and I, I won't be upset about this, but uh, a bunch of late starts, I would imagine those first seven games. Uh, Braves fans will not be very happy about the late starts to start the season, but yeah. you'll love it, Scott. I know you will because you, yeah. you are the guy. You were, you were the guy that's out there uh, in the throes of uh, everything baseball. <laughs> better now. Yeah. Better now at the beginning of the year, where everybody's fresh than, you know, like July when it's game one fourteen and everybody's starting to fade a little bit. When you're, you know, when, you're the- when you're the only one awake at the end of the game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Scott, for joining me as always, my friend, Any- anything coming from you. I am not in baseball mode. I'll be the first person to acknowledge that. Um, maybe a Donald- oh. when Donaldson signs somewhere, I'll get back into it. But right now, I am not in baseball mode, so nothing for me. But anything. I uh, I get married in two weeks. Yeah, two you weeks do. Day. Um, so I'm my mind is going to be elsewhere pretty soon here. So, so. you'll not be on the podcast January. Uh, I don't know. If, <laughs> yeah, what's, two weeks. What's the date? Uh, January nineteenth. Uh, yes, I'm yeah. sorry to say I'm unavailable that night. Um, but uh, yeah, no. So if anything comes up, of course check the site uh, and the Twitter machine and all that good stuff. 
Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy. Hopefully we do get a little bit of move, even if it's not the Braves, just some action elsewhere to, to get the stove going again. Yeah. And programming note, um, obviously if the Braves make a major move, we will have an emergency ish podcast within a day or so of that move happening. Uh, if they do not, for some reason, for another week or two, we'll have a podcast at some point. Um, I would say within the next two weeks, we'll have a podcast, uh, even, even if nothing happens. But um, unless you want to hear us do this exact same show again, uh, which might happen, I suppose. I suppose. The <laughs> rambling, all. incoherent podcast. I, there's no reason for this not to wrap up soon. I mean, we say that and he won't sign until like the last week of February, but there's no reason for this to go on anymore. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later. I'm expecting that too, but uh, just, just stay tuned. Please subscribe. That's the way to find the podcast. If you do not know when it's going to come out, uh, subscribe. It'll pop up whenever you get it on your podcast player of choice. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow Scott on Twitter at ScottCollin55. Follow the site on Twitter at TalkingChop. And we'll be here at some point in the offseason.